Welcome back to school, everybody. It's the Drive to School podcast. We are heading on your morning commute into school, and so we better equip you with Jesus, uh, hope, and peace for the day. Uh, joining me today is Pastor, uh, the Reverend Dr. Matt Richard. How are you doing today? Good. It's good to be back. Yeah. Dude, Full swing of school for everybody. I know my kids are back at it and uh, a little bit crazy in the household, getting all situated, but it's kind of nice to have the routine, you know, kind of get back with the routine of the summer. Yeah, I'm like, it's by that end of the school year where like you, you, you like the time home, but also you need something to do, um, or, or I need you to have something to do. Um, yeah. And it could, be, it could be a little bit of the second one, but no, things are up and running. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're thrilled to sort of be back on a regular schedule. Uh, thank you for hopping back on to uh, answer that question. What does Jesus say about? Uh, what, what are we talking about today? You know, uh, I've been thinking about this idea of shame. Now, I mean, we, we think to ourselves, shame, okay, well, you know, maybe the thing that we can think of shame is maybe the old grandmother, right? Shaking her finger, shame on you, right? Um, but shame is is used uh, all the time uh, in school by other classmates. It's used by parents. It's used by uh, people in authority. And it, it, it uh, I would say that, you know, in a sense, you know, shame is right in a way, but it doesn't, it doesn't lead us to Jesus. And so uh, shame can excite the conscience to guilt which sometimes that's good, right? We do wrong and we should feel guilty, but then it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't lead us to Jesus. And that's the problem with shame. Yeah. It can paint a picture of something being not right, but it can't actually get you to, to write. And if you're just sort of stuck there, it becomes a, a, not just something that your grandma or a teacher or a friend, it becomes something the devil uses. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I'm just thinking of shame all, all over the years um, and, and and it's embedded in culture too, in a lot of ways. Like if you do something wrong, so whatever it is, you do something wrong and then uh, either your classmates or a teacher, somebody, what they, they wave their fingers, always like this shame, shame on you. And so then that excites, uh, excites the conscience, right? So then your conscience gets excited to guilt and you feel that guilt. And then you're like, okay, well I did wrong. And then the solution to, to suppress that or to get rid of that excitement of guilt in the conscience, then you say, okay, well, I did this is wrong, so I better do this is right. And then you can go down this road of trying to do all these right things to appease the person that's waving their finger at you. And if you do enough good, good things, then maybe that finger will what? pull back and they'll say, here, here, good job. It doesn't sound like Christianity though. There's no Jesus in that at all. Right. But, but what it makes it even worse is sometimes you come across people who will use that shame and they keep that finger out and they don't want you to confess the sin. They don't want to have resolution because then they can keep pointing their finger at you and then keep you under their thumb and manipulate and control you. So they can use that uh, excitement of guilt to manipulate you and force you into their patterns to do what they want. And again, then they become your master and not Christ. And oh boy, that's, that's a scary place to be. Yeah. Shame is something that's heaped on victims. And this is something too, that it, it's a, almost a distinction a little bit between guilt and shame. Um, guilt is something from your fault. You can be ashamed over something that has nothing to do with your sin, but somebody else sinning against you. It's one of those things we tell victims, uh, like God forbid, we tell rape victims. It's the first time we see them every time. It's not your fault. And that's mm -hmm. completely true, but it, they still feel ashamed of what was done to them. And you're right there. They're sort of under the thumb of the person that has made them feel ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only, it's only in Christ. You know, what does Jesus say about shame? He says this, he says, you're forgiven. Yep. Uh, Paul says this too, right? Uh, Paul goes through Romans seven. Oh. I just, I just, I can never read Romans seven enough. You know, Paul's like, you know, I could just imagine him pacing back and forth, back and forth. It's like, yeah, just like pulling his hair out. Yeah. Yeah. You're the very good, the very good I want to do. Yep. I want to do that, but you know what? I don't do that. I do do this over here. And the very thing that I despise, I don't want to do that, but I end up, it's like, and it's like, what a rich man I am. And it's like pulling his hair out. 
you know, what a wretched man I am. Who's going to save me from this body of sin and death? And then we get to verse 8, 1. This is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And there's no condemnation. Not, not that there's no sin. There's no condemnation for the sin because that's in Christ. Our sins are forgiven. So what does Jesus say to um, us who are underneath shame? He says, you're free. I've forgiven you. Um, no, not free to sin, not free to, uh, you know, go down that path, but free in him, uh, freed, freed to good works, freed to live by the spirit, uh, free to love one's neighbor, free not to be underneath the guilt of that shame and uh, have that, that rain cloud over your head um, being manipulated by the masses, but free in Christ. And, and that's, a, that's a beautiful place to be. Yeah, not to be owned by that thing that was either done to you or that thing that you've done. Um, it, it, it's kind of a nice way to actually look at this because there's this, there's this thing that I don't know if Lutherans intend to do, uh, but we sort of start to talk about the forgiveness of sins as sort of like almost arbitrary Jesus points. Like, you know, I did three bad things and so I need three forgivenesses. And once I've got those, I can go right back about my day with as if nothing's ever different. But if you're still under somebody's thumb, if you still can't look at yourself in the mirror, um, this is a freedom from that slavery, that identity that is rooted in uh, sin, either yours or somebody else's, to be free in Christ then. It's not simply to be forgiven and know that one day you'll be saved, but it means that when God looks at you, he doesn't see that thing. There is no condemnation. And so we're not to see it in ourselves either. Yeah. I mean, well, think about this, how much we live our lives with with the uh, fear of what other people think of us, especially going back to school for a lot of lot of the youth. You know, I know that feeling. It's like, man, especially like junior high. Gosh, junior high was awful. First, I just, it was terrible. <laughs> one of the worst, one of the worst times of my life was seventh and eighth grade. It's just like, it's like, oh my goodness. But you come there and everybody's what? Everybody's like judging you, right? And everybody's uh-huh. looking at you and then you do something wrong. You, you you break a status quo and then there's shame and there's condemnation, all that. And and it's like, you know, throw it all out. You're, you're baptized into Christ, right? You know, confess that I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And Jesus says, I forgive you and your sins are forgiven. And so if the God of the universe who created us says that we're justified, that we're forgiven in him, what does mere man mean? What does mere man's, uh, man's opinion, uh, what does it do? What is it? it it's nothing. It's, 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 it's secondary to compare to what the God of the universe says about us. And so I would say that when shame comes along, uh, the world uses shame to control, manipulate, um, to keep us under their thumb, excites guilt to manipulate and push us to do all this stuff. And that's not how Christ works. Christ does not manipulate us. He does not, he does not uh, coerce us. He, he, you know, the fruits of the spirit are fruits. They're, they're joyous gifts given to us. And so we're freed in the gospel. We're freed in Christ unto good works, unto loving our neighbor with freedom, not guilt, um, but with love, love that's been given to us. We, we look at this as if things we're doing, but things that we're doing are not our identity. When we talk about forgiveness, then it's not simply an action. It's an identity. Your identity is forgiveness. It's clean. It's holy. It's worthy of love. Um, and it's because of that forgiveness. And so that means then um, when other people then would try and identify us based on that thing that they would want us to be ashamed of, we, we can actually look at this forgiveness again, not just as a, well, one day I go to heaven, but as something I actually get to wear, something I get to embody. Um, and and that's, that's great when you don't feel comfortable in your own skin because you're an awkward, uncomfortable seventh grader with a big mouth. Hi. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but it is, it's, you know, somebody asked me once, they said, you know, one word, how do you describe yourself, Pastor Richard? And immediately I'm like, boom, baptized. Yes. (laughs) Right. Baptized. I'm baptized. I mean, and, and, and so what does that mean? That means I'm hidden in Christ. And so I'm, I'm, I'm plunged into his death. I'm resurrected in Christ. I'm connected to him in baptism. Baptism is my baptismal identity. It's also for everyone that's listening here too. That's your identity in the midst of this world of gosh, shame and cancellation culture and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, gosh, you know, I just think of, 
I think of even my own kids and I just think of the world that we live in with social media and everybody's opinion. And, and um, you know, you can get slaughtered online by online, you know, bullying online is a new thing. I mean, that's something I didn't have to deal with as a kid either. But you look at all of that, think about the assurance of baptism, how that protects us from all that, you know, just to, to make that sign of the cross, right? And it's yeah. like, come what may, come, who cares what people say? What it's like, you know, or as my son would say, it is what it is, dad, you know, or, or right. the famous quote from us generation Xers is like, whatever, right? Whatever. I'm baptized. You know, it is what it is. I'm baptized. Remembering my, my identity in the midst of all yeah. that. Those things can't change who you are because God has already spoken. He's already affected it. And when God does it, uh, like our identities can change. So like you make one mishap in school and you get that new nickname and you don't want it for the rest of the school year. But but God's <laughs> identity is unchanging. It, it yep. was established before the foundation of the world when the lamb was slain. It was affected in time and space where Christ died. It was put on you and your baptism that has already sealed you into the resurrection. It is an all-time identity that you wear in that day where you're having trouble being known by anything else. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I am baptized means this cannot change who I am. Uh, yep. And so I don't have anything to be ashamed of. That, that's not to, to say there's no such thing as sin, but that's right. saying Christ bore my sin, my shame yep. too on that cross. Yep. Well, and again, I'm like what you just said there, you know, baptism, it, it, it is for sinners, you know, uh, the gospels for sinners only, you know, uh, the Lord's supper is for sinners, you know, it is for sinners who are redeemed in Christ. And, and so uh, Jesus did not come for the righteous. He came for the sin sick, which is us. And uh, so the, 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 the gospel itself presumes that we understand that we're sinners, um, but we're not left in our sin. We're not left in condemnation. And so Romans 7 doesn't stop at Romans 7. It isn't like, you know, who will save me from this body of sin and death? I don't know. Well, yeah, good luck God. with that, right? Uh, you know, but we're going to 8-1, right? Uh, uh, you know, 8-1, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And, and that's, that's the hope. That's the assurance that we live. And so we're constantly... You know, when, when shame comes along, in fact, you know, when shame, shame comes along, there's many times that shame might be right. You know, we may be shamed for something and it's like, well, we look at it and we're like, yeah, I did. I did mess up. Right. Um, but then shame will want to keep us there. Whereas, whereas Christ wants to move us from that condemnation. He wants to move us from that, which is through repentance and confession to that forgiveness, that absolution being centered in him. So it's always the movement from uh, confessing sin and being condemned under the law, moving to what? That he moves us, not necessarily he moves us, but he comes to us, better say it that way, that he comes to us to relieve us of that. And he says, what? I'm for you. Um, You're forgiven. Uh, I cleansed you. You're baptized. It's radically different than a world's message. It says, all right, you're ashamed of this, then get better at it. Um, You you know, get to be more, try harder. And eventually, if you really, really do, you can be more than the person that was ashamed. Um, Here, God actually comes to you and says, wow, you are still ashamed. I'll take that shame. I will keep that shame. And you, no matter what anybody says, are found in in me, uh, in my identity, in my holiness, in in my honor. And that's a wonderful thing. Well, think of of the prodigal son, right? You know, he comes back, you know, he's out and, dad, give me my money, my inheritance goes on and squanders it on uh, all sorts of craziness. And then he's eating what, trying to eat pig food. And he's, you know, stinks probably, you know, like, like pig feces and all this other stuff. And he comes back and, you know, he's rehearsing it, right? He's like, you know, I sin against God, sin against you. Da, da, da. He's like rehearsing this over and over and over and over, probably with his head down coming up and the father sees him and the father's like, he just bolts. And I, I just love how that prodigal son thing is. He's like, Hey, dad, dad, dad. And it's like, he's been rehearsing it. It's like, dad. dad. And, and the father's just like, he's not listening. He's not even, he doesn't, he doesn't care what he's even saying. He's, he's like screaming out, you know, kill the calf. Where's my robe? Where's my ring? He's home. 
And, and, and it's like, no, I'm not, I, no, you're, you're home, you're mine. And he puts that cloak on him, which is baptism. My son that was dead is now alive. That's baptism. Right. And, and he claims him, he puts a ring on him like kills him. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, this is my son. And that's gosh, that's the gospel for us. That's the gospel for all of us. That's the gospel for the youth going back to, to school that, you know, you belong to Christ and it doesn't matter what, what the world says. It doesn't matter what, um, you know, anybody says you, you belong to Jesus. You're forgiven in him, period. Yeah. The whole kingdom of heaven's thrilled to see you there. Yep. Thanks so much, pastor. It's great to have you. Yeah. Good stuff. Look forward to this year. It'll be a lot, a lot of fun.